Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. I could use just a a show of hands just to kind of test the crowd tonight. I'm wondering how many of you, when you were deciding where to attend Christmas Eve services, as you were getting ready for tonight's service, I'm wondering how many of you were thinking, I hope the preacher says something politically controversial, that (laughs) something that'll really make me mad, something we could argue about in the car on the way home, something we could yell at each other over eggnog later. Show of hands, how many? A couple, yeah. Well, you're in luck. No, I I know. I, I, I get it. People who are of good taste and wise know that there are certain topics you avoid, and politics is certainly one of those topics, especially on the holidays. Nobody wants during the holidays to hear a political rant over the stuffing and the gravy. Talking about politics may even be more controversial than whether or not FSU got cheated out of a chance for the championship. (laughs) Maybe that was political too, I don't know. But avoiding politics on Christmas As strange as it sounds, is impossible. It's unavoidable. The the two topics seem to go hand in hand. And I don't mean the politics the way we usually argue about them, which, which candidate we think should be elected, or what terrible thing the president has done, or which party is better. I'm not talking about politics in that kind of specific way. And yet... The story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' birth is undeniably political. We say that Jesus was the king of the Jews from birth. King, that's political. We read in Luke that the emperor had ordered a compulsory census that everyone had to participate in. Emperors, rulers, legal decrees, those are political. We've heard the story of royalty, magi we call them, wise men traveling from the east, following a star to honor a newborn king with a stop-off at the puppet king Herod on the way. All of it is political. Think for a moment about the place of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem a little town of Bethlehem. At the time of Jesus' birth, it was occupied by the Roman army. Tonight, Bethlehem still exists as a place. It's located in the West Bank. It's governed by a group called the Palestinian Authority. Forty-five miles to the west from Bethlehem is a place called Gaza, ruled by a group called Hamas, funded by the nation of Iran. You've probably heard Israel and Hamas are at war. Since October 7th, tens of thousands have died. 
And even tonight, on Christmas Eve, there is no ceasefire. I heard in the news that even the historic churches of Bethlehem are closed tonight. Jesus was born in a war-torn, enemy-occupied Bethlehem. Back then it was the Romans. But tonight, 2,000 years later, give or take, Bethlehem is still a place of violence, of hardship, death. In other words, the story we're telling tonight about the birth of Jesus isn't just a nice little fairy tale about some idyllic world. He was born into the real world, a real world which continues even now. And you thought you came tonight to hear some some nice music, to sing some nice songs, to observe some nice traditions, to to hear a nice story about a little baby's birth, and go home for some nice food and open some nice presents. Well, that's true. We are singing nice songs. The music has been nice. This is a nice story, undeniably. The problem with this particular story is that this cute little baby that we celebrate, we call the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And in light of the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus, the wars that have continually raged in the two millennia since, and the wars that are raging right now, what does it mean to call Jesus the Prince of Peace? What can that title possibly mean? You know the story. Mary and Joseph traveled from the north, from Nazareth, down south to Bethlehem to participate in a census. The Gospel of Luke said, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. You hear all these political names, people in positions. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. About 60 years before the birth of Jesus, a, a generation if you will, the Roman army, under uh, the, the commander Pompey, conquered and occupied Judea, the land of the Jews. By the time of Jesus, Caesar Augustus was emperor, and he called for a census. And there's only one purpose for a census, is to collect taxes, to help fund Rome's progress. Mary and Joseph didn't go to Bethlehem on a family vacation. They weren't there for the holidays, like many of us are. They went to pay taxes. Taxes that they likely could not afford. They had no choice. When Caesar orders a census or anything else, you do it. You go where you're told. You do what you're told. During this season of Advent and Christmas, I've been sharing messages based on Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, which provides royal titles for who we believe is the Messiah. You've heard these words. 
A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. What on earth could the prophet Isaiah mean when he called this Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace? What could Isaiah possibly have meant when he said that his government and its peace will never end? What did the angels mean when they proclaimed to the shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill to all? A a reasonable question, a reasonable question reasonable people like us might ask, why do we call Jesus the Prince of Peace when there is so little peace? The birth of Jesus did not bring peace to our violent world. In fact, much violence has been done in the name of religion. Much violence is happening in the land of Jesus. How do we dare call him the Prince of Peace when there's been so much bloodshed? And yet, if there is any hope for peace in this world, Our Prince of Peace, Jesus, might be our best option. Jesus doesn't force us to surrender our fights or to confiscate our weapons or to stick a sock in our mouth when we say provocative things. But maybe, possibly, it's the way he lived, it's what he taught, it's who he was and is, it's what Jesus offers that might just awaken better angels in all of us, that might just inspire us, motivate us to to lay aside our hate and prejudice, to beat our swords into plowshares, to seek more peaceful solutions to all of this world's problems. Perhaps as followers of the Prince of Peace, we can learn how to forgive one another. Remember Jesus talked about that quite a bit? He also told us to love even our enemies. To recognize that all of us are siblings, all of us, regardless of our politics or our nationality or our ethnicity or our skin color or our sexuality, we're all one big family of God. The Prince of Peace didn't come to force us into some sort of peaceful compliance, whether we like it or not. He came to show us how to be people of peace, how to live at peace, how to promote peace, how to work for peace. A vision of peace that's familiar comes also from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. The wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, 
For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people, people like us, who know the Lord. That's a metaphor, of course. It's a, it's a vision for what's possible, a vision of a world at peace, a vision that has yet to be fulfilled. It's never existed, but it could. But friends, peace won't just happen. They're not gonna, it's not going to just happen because it's Christmas or any other day. It's a hopeful vision, but it's a vision that you and I must embody in our words, in our actions, our deeds, in our generosity. Maybe the question really isn't why we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Maybe the question is why followers of the Prince of Peace don't do more to stand up against violence and to work for peace. Here's a true story of how that worked out. During World War I, there was a very surprising true event on Christmas Eve. World War I began in July of 1941, and many, many naively believe the war will be over by Christmas. Unfortunately, many of the original troops who went to fight had been there a long time, even as Christmas approached, and they were weary of the conditions, weary of the bloodshed, weary of the injuries, weary of the death, weary of fighting. But then something remarkable happened that Christmas Eve. As night approached above both trenches, on both sides of the battlefield, could be seen what appeared to be makeshift Christmas trees poking up above the trenches. When the British sang in their trenches, Silent Night, the the German army on the other side of the battlefield responded with Stille Nacht, the German version of Silent Night. When the Germans sang, O Tannenbaum, the Brits responded with, O Christmas Tree. That went on all Christmas Eve night. But then something more remarkable happened in the morning. The officers and the troops actually left the trenches and entered the battlefield peacefully. There was no bloodshed that Christmas day. Enemies shook hands. Some even gave each other small gifts that they had received or made in their trenches. They shared a Christmas meal of army rations from both sides. Chaplains from both armies worked together to have Christmas Eve services. Some even played soccer all day long. For one Christmas Eve, for one Christmas day, there was peace. Peace broke into the violence of an incredibly deadly world war. Now, did the peace last? No. The violence soon resumed. But for a moment in time, a moment in history, something about the birth of Christ moved people to lay down their weapons and greet each other as brothers in Christ. It didn't last, but it did happen. If it happened once, It could happen again. It could happen for longer. Now that's a true story. This is a fable. Once upon a time, there was an old monastery out in the woods. A monastery filled with with old monks. And unfortunately, this old monastery was 
beginning to age. It was beginning to dwindle. The, the, the structure was starting to deteriorate, but so were the relationships among the monks. Division had happened. There was bitterness. There was resentment. There was unforgiveness. And it was affecting their community as a whole. People used to come to them for spiritual wisdom, but fewer people were coming. Their worship and their prayer life had grown cold because they were so cold toward one another. Well, the monastery was led by a wise abbot who knew there was a problem and needed an answer. So he went on a long journey to find a wise hermit who lived off on a mountain. He went, he told the story, explained what was happening. And the hermit said, go back and tell the brothers, the Messiah is one of you. The Messiah is one of you. So the abbot returned. The brothers said, well, what did the wise hermit tell you? He said, tell them that the Messiah is one of you. He didn't tell them which of them might be the Messiah. They, they had to wonder, is it Brother Lawrence or Brother Thomas or Brother Joseph? Nobody knew. And not knowing and not wanting to risk offending the Messiah, they started treating each other better. With greater kindness, they forgave each other. They treated each other with a deeper respect. And the monastery, of course, was transformed. The bitterness faded. The relationships deepened. The worship and their service to the community became more fruitful. People began coming again, seeking their wise counsel. And when anyone asked the old wise abbot what happened, what caused the transformation, he told them, we believed that the Messiah was one of us. We believed the Messiah was one of us. Mother Teresa used to refer to those who she cared for, the sick and the dying, orphans, as Jesus in his most distressing disguise. What if the story about the old monastery is true, not historically true, but true in its meaning? What if the Messiah is one of us? What if the Messiah is sitting among us tonight? Or what if all of us in disguise are the Messiah? What if there's a little bit of the Christ child, the Prince of Peace, living in every single one of us? What if the Messiah is your neighbor, your in-law, your co-worker, the person who took the parking space you were trying to get before the service, your worst enemy? How might you speak to them differently? How might you think of them differently? How might you be at peace with them? What kind of peace might you and I build into this world if we believe that the Messiah walks among us day by day and we acted like it? How would it affect how we treat each other, how we speak to each other? What if? What if peace on earth is entirely possible, but only when you and I learn to embody the love and wisdom of the Prince of Peace? Commit our lives with his help to his kingdom of peace. What if?
what if? In the words of the old song, let there be peace on earth. And with God's help, let it begin with me. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.